1: See, many of you may not know, but when I first came here, I had a little bit of a stronghold, and I'm going to actually talk on strongholds in just in a moment, uh, but I had a stronghold uh, from a childhood trauma uh, that prevented me from wanting any desire to have my ears pierced. And so Pastor Becky unknowingly uh, bought me some earrings and said, hey, Shelly, I want to give you some earrings. And I'm like, oh, my ears aren't pierced. She's like, what? What are you talking about? How, how do you not have your ears pierced? And she didn't just leave it there to be like, oh, Shelly, it's fine. It's totally fine. And She's like, nope, we're gonna step it up and let's, let's go down with you. And actually, Pastor Ashley and Pastor Be- Becky went down with me and there's a picture, I think I even did a message on it, if I'm not mistaken, but just the commitment of Pastors John and Becky to say, you know what, we are committed to you coming into freedom, amen? Isn't that wonderful? So tonight, I wanna share a message with you that I believe that will help set you free. How many of us have experienced freedom in some area of our lives? Right? How many of us know that that freedom didn't happen just one time, Right? but it's over the course of time? So I like to tell people that freedom is an event. Yes, tonight this is a special event, a special, the presence of God is already here, but it's also going to set in motion a process in your life to move forward and learn how to identify because the truth is we want freedom, but sometimes we don't know what we need freedom for right? Or freedom from, right? So we need to actually see what the freedom is in order to step into it. Does that make sense? So let me give you an example. So uh, as Pastor Jeff had mentioned, I have been mentored by Pastor Mike Connell for a number of years now. Love him. He's like a father to me. And uh, many, many years ago, uh, he, he I was telling him about a situation, my family. My family's situation was quite intense. There was a lot of uh, just, uh, just issues and mental health issues and just different Things that was going on that was very troubling on my soul, and I didn't know what to do. So I went to counsel, and I, I went to this pastor, and I went to that pastor, and I went and and, and sought counsel to figure out how do I handle this family situation. And everyone said that my family member was the problem. And so I thought, right, so we, we clearly know what the problem is. My family member is the problem. That's kind of a good relief for me, right? So then I sit across from Pastor Mike and Pastor Joy Connell, and I'm telling them the same situation, and I'll never forget. Pastor Mike looks me in the eyes, and he's like, Shelly, you're the problem. And I just thought, what in the world? Like everyone said that it, it was my family member, but he's looking me in the eyes and just, the, just I felt so loved and corrected at the same time. You know, I knew that it was God. And, and the truth is he said, Shelly, unless you shift that stronghold in your heart, you will not be able to see clearly how to handle the situation. So honey, what I need you to do is I need you to deal with that stronghold first so that you can see clearly and how to navigate the situation you're in. Now, how many you know that that's called a father speaking to you? <laughs> that you okay, let's deal with our own stuff first, take the plank out of our own eye in order to deal appropriately with the situations that we see. And I think oftentimes when we're feeling distraught or disturbed, we often look at the people around us as it's their fault instead of actually owning up could it be mine yeah. meaning could it be an issue in my in my own heart so t- tonight i'm going to speak on confronting strongholds confronting strongholds because the truth is is that your heart determines how you live and what uh, what the limitations you live under so getting free is about removing the limitations that that's prohibiting you from encountering more of God in your life now we're all here because we are seeking God we're seeking that we desire to have more of God is that right so this is why we must learn how to engage our hearts. You know, the truth is, is dealing with the enemy, it's quite easy. It's not difficult to have the enemy, to command the enemy to get off of our, our hearts or to get off of our lives. But the struggle oftentimes is what is it that we're believing about ourselves? What is it that we're believing that does not align with the word of God? So that is what we wanna look at tonight in confronting these strongholds, because the truth is, is that the enemy's goal in your lives, friends, is to hinder your heart. He, He wants to break your heart. In fact, he wants to set up strongholds in your heart, and this is the process that God is taking us through to how do we remove those strongholds? How do we expose those strongholds? How do we walk in the freedom that God has destined for us to walk into? Now, what is a stronghold? Now, there's different definitions that we can say, but I want to I say it like this. A stronghold is a hopeless mindset that causes us to accept feelings and situations as unchangeable. I'll say it again. Right? <laughs> All right. A stronghold is a, is a hopeless mindset that causes us to accept feelings and situations as unchangeable. Think about the saying we always say, it is what it is. Now, we say that because we're basically saying we accept that we can't change it. Could it be that we are actually revealing a stronghold of the way of thinking? Just a a thought. And the question that I ask you, or the statement I would make is, what you tolerate will dominate. So the question is tonight is what are you tolerating that you're tired of tolerating? What area that are, are you being tormented in that you're done being tormented in? What area of maybe brokenness that you that you are desiring healing in that you're like saying tonight, man, I came tonight. Enough is enough. I don't I don't want to carry this on any longer. I want to walk in the freedom that God has given to me, and and it comes by basically when I see it, draw a line in the sand and say, all right, I'm moving forward. I'm moving forward in these things. And the truth is, is that Jesus came. One of the reasons Jesus came is not only to save us, friends, but He also came to tear down the strongholds that are within our own hearts. Jesus came, the Bible says that he was sent to heal the brokenhearted. So how many of you know that there's none of us in this room that is exempt from hurt, (laughs) right? And uh, if you have not experienced hurt, um, you probably have. (laughs) I mean, the the, the truth is, is that maybe you just can't see it and and, and I get it. But the truth is that we've all experienced brokenness. And I love what Psalm 147 and verse three says. It says, he, he heals the wounds of every shattered heart. Yeah. So when we experience pain, friends, what happens is that our hearts become broken or there's a piece or an area of our heart that becomes broken. Right right? Broken into pieces, maybe crushed by life's tragedies. I don't know about you, but I've got a crazy story, and I'm going to share some of those things with you tonight, because I believe if I throw myself under the bus, I'm going to help you get over some of the stuff that's hindering you. Is that cool? Come on, just, I got to keep it real tonight. That's how we roll. Come on. Right, but the broken pieces, if I don't deal with it, it becomes a pathway of negative thinking in my life, right? Because then it, it, it's basically the pain has taught me that this is how I'm meant to live, right? Uh, it's, it, it, it's, it's reinforced through repeated over and over again. So when we, have ne- we, when we have broken pieces in our heart, what ends up happening is we end up living with low self-worth, right, and living defeated in an area of brokenness. Anywhere where I'm not free, I'm not gonna feel good about that area. I mean, that's that's just the truth. I'm not gonna feel good. I'm not gonna feel good about myself and I'm gonna feel very defeated in that area. It's kind of like when Pastor Becky touched on that, hey, wait a minute, how come your ears aren't pierced? You know what the trigger was is that I had a traumatic experience when I was a child of a person who was uh, uh, unknowledgeable in how to use the gun that they shot my ears 10 times in each ear. So as a young girl that was five years old, she was traumatized by that situation that I just swore off, like, eh, I don't need earrings. Like, I'm good. And and, and even when it came up, it was an issue that I didn't want to address. But it took someone called my campus pastor to come alongside me. And you can say, well, Shelly, it's kind of a trivial thing. But the truth is, is that it was something actually getting your ears pierced, and you're going to get set free in that. Who would have thought? It's like, dang, man, I would have started taking people down to Claire's a long time ago. (laughs) Right? Some of y'all need to sign up and get get Pastor Ashley, and she'll she'll take you down to take you down the Claires. And, and the truth is though, is that there's br- the broken areas of our hearts. If we don't uh, if if we if we don't uh, deal with them, right? Then what do we end up doing? Is we end up holding it. How many of us, when we feel pain, we don't know what to do? What do we do? We push it down. Can I tell you that when we push down the pain, that's called control. So we end up controlling the pain. What we like to call we're managing the pain. So what do I do is that I'm I'm turning actually away from God and I'm turning to and I'm leaning on my own conclusions and judgments in the situation. So if I so in other words I'm saving myself with the pain. So I have a choice either I'm going to give the pain to Jesus or I'm going to hold on to the pain and I'm going to deal with it on my own which means I'm going to control it. Which if I control pain then I end up manifesting the nature of control instead of the nature of God. Right? So then, all of a sudden, it unleashes torment. It, it, it unleashes oppression. It unleashes all of the, the, the very thing that we didn't want to have happen. It actually increases over our lives. So I I, I love to say this, that the fastest way or, or one way to build the kingdom of God is actually just being committed to dealing with your own heart, dealing with your own pain. Did you know that you can advance the kingdom of God if you would deal with your own heart? How amazing is that? You, like, many of us walk around saying, like, what is my purpose? What am I, what am I called to do in the kingdom? Well, if you want to gain territory for the kingdom, guess what? Here is a, here's a new opportunity for you. You want to increase the, the kingdom territory. Start identifying the pains that have held you back. How amazing would that be? You could we we can all enlarge the kingdom of God tonight. We are going to enlarge the kingdom of God tonight simply by dealing with the pains that are within our hearts. Who's ready to go with that? All right, I'm going to share very quickly three strongholds that I find is the most common that we all struggle with, shame, fear, and control. Shame, fear, and control. I'm going to pick up in Genesis 3, verses 7 to 10. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord, call, Lord God called Adam and said to him, where are you? And he said, "I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself." So, friends, we find that these strongholds can come generational through generational cycles of defeat. These strongholds can come through uh, traumas that we experience or pains that we that we go through in life, and sometimes these strong these things come just because our, of our own actions. Right? We're not we don't always do the right thing. Right? And in in my case, I grew up in an, in, an environment of fear. My mom had gone through lots and lots of traumas, 40 plus foster homes that she went through. Her mother died when she was five years old. Her father was off the grid, abusive in every sense of the word. So she grew up in an unstable environment that produced a lot of fear around her heart. So I grew up with fear in my household. And so when we would go to bed at night, my my stepfather would work at night. So it was just my mom, my younger brother, myself. And so as, as we're getting ready for bed, Bed, my mom would always ask me, hey, Shelly, why don't you go check the door and make sure that it's locked? So I'd get up out of the bed. I'd go check the door. Yep, mom, it's locked. Then I'd go back into my bed. And then wouldn't you know, Shelly, go make sure the refrigerator door is closed. Then I'd go and check and make sure the refrigerator door is closed. And then while you're there, I'd make sure the stove is turned off. And so then make sure the stove is turned off. So I would go back to bed. And wouldn't you know, a few moments later, she would say again, Shelly, I need you to check the door again. I need you to check. And I would just be like, mom, Mom, it's. I'm telling you, there's nothing on. There's nothing unlocked. And she would keep pleading with me, right, to keep checking. So, like, I just had to just get up and just be yo-yo Shelly, you know, like just going back and checking all these things. And so that what does that do? It, you, you grow up in an environment of fear. It, it instills, like, a negative expectation on the inside of you. Maybe for some of us, we, we grew up in homes where uh, maybe we had harsh words spoken against us. Maybe we had people who were a, a father, mother, or just even authority figures, or even just neighbors that were maybe just not nice to us, that said things to us that were that were condemning words. So all of these things are just a, a, an illustration of how traumas come into our hearts, and then we adopt a belief system as a result of the trauma. And so that's what we're looking to identify. And so the first one I want to look at is the stronghold of shame. Shame is the feeling of low self-worth, like there's something wrong with me, yeah, yeah. right? And so we have to get real. Like if we're going to get free, it requires us to get real and to get get honest with ourselves. So maybe it could be because there's something wrong with me, I'm not acceptable. I'm damaged. I have less value, Right? You wouldn't say this out loud, but this might be something that's happening on the inside. I'm not qualified to speak, so I better just stay quiet. right? So all of these things are, 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 are descriptions, if you will, of what shame is. And I have found that shame will control and isolate us through a few different measures. Number one, through the condemnation of past failures and mistakes. It will condemn us. If you, if, let me, Actually, I'll just pull up a scripture real quick in Romans 8 and verse 15. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. Notice that it's actually a demonic spirit that that imposes on you that you're not good enough. When God created you that that you are good enough, the very opposite, the very opposite where the enemy is trying to come in and say you're not good enough right? So it's it's, Jesus came actually to remove the fear of not being good enough. And if you think about it, the goal of, of, of condemnation is to do what? Is to play on the insecurities within your heart to make you feel like you're not good enough, now, some of you may remember my story the last time I was here preaching at Balboa. And when I first got saved, I was super condemned of my old, my, my old life, all the, all the stuff that I had been a part of and all the things that I did. And do you know that for the first about six to eight weeks of my Christian walk, I didn't know if I was really saved. I actually would walk to the altar. Uh, actually, I didn't walk. I ran to the altar three times a week, every week for eight weeks. You do the math. That was a number of times that I ran forward just to make sure that I'm getting saved. Like, I just didn't know. Because I would I would come back, and I'd feel in the moment like I was saved. But then I would sit back, and then I'd start replaying, right? Do you ever have those things that starts replaying in your mind? Like, do you remember you did this? Do you remember you did that? Do you remember you did that? And I just remember thinking, like, gosh, I can't really be. Be forgiven. So then I'd go to the church the next day. I was in church on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. If there was a Tuesday meeting, I was there. If there was a Wednesday meeting, whenever I could, whatever church, I went to like five different churches. I didn't know. I just was hungry for God. So and just run to the, okay, I want to get saved again. I want to make sure I'm forgiven. And then I will just run over here. And and that was how I lived my life in those weeks of being tormented by condemnation. And, And I remember just feeling the agony of not knowing, like, I really wanted to be saved. I really wanted to be right with God. But I didn't know if I was forgiven because condemnation was telling me that I was not forgiven. And it wasn't until there was a beautiful minister who stood up and said, Shelly, your sins are removed from you as far as the east is from the west. Come on, that is the the power of the gospel. And in that moment, when she said those words, can I tell you, it was like scales fell from my eyes. The burden that was on my shoulders was lifted. And I knew that I knew, regardless of what the enemy would try to say, that I was completely forgiven. Right? But some of us may be carrying shame of condemnation of the past. And friends, I'm telling you, Jesus came to set you free. He didn't just set you free of, of the things that were the, the nice sins you did. It was all of the sins that you did, no matter what mistakes that you made, no matter what failures that, you, that you've gone through. It doesn't matter. God is here to set you free. Amen? Number two, if we see that it's imposed on you through the hurtful actions of others, maybe uh, you, you you could be like me. When I was in junior high, I had a, a mean girl story. Any ladies out here had a mean girl story? Right, I had a Mean Girl story, and so I was, uh, you know, struggling a little bit when it came to, uh, you know, taking. I was wearing this headband, and as I was wearing this headband, I was in junior high. I started creating a knot under my under my hair, and and it, be, it became worse until it became this rat's nest. I didn't know what to do with it, so I did the only thing I knew to do. And what shame! What a shame! Do causes you to cover up. So then I took a hoodie and I covered it up. I got a Chicago Bulls sweatshirt and I wore that thing, you know, because I was on the basketball team. I was doing all the things, right? And so, you know, it, on the outside, it seemed like I was tough, but on the inside, I was actually very broken and afraid that I would be ashamed of anyone catching what was actually going on on the inside of me right, around me. So one day, I'm in the quad, living my best life, having fun with the girls, but all the girls had been so inquisitive as to why in the heck has Shelly been wearing this hoodie for the last, like, three months? What the heck is going on? So curiosity got the best of them. What did they decide to do? One brave girl came up and pulled the hoodie down, and everything was completely exposed. And in that moment, like, I was just crushed. And, you know, I tried to play it off, tried to be tough, and tried to do all these things, and I ran home to my mom that day and said, mom, I need you to help me. And you know, and sometimes working through shame is just about inviting someone into your world to help you through those issues. So that was one area. Another area that imposed shame came upon me is I came out of a a lot of abuse as a child. Not specifically for my mom, but neighbors and boys and different ones. So if I were to tell you, take two hands for me to tell you the sexual abuse that I went through as a kid. And so, and that started from the age of five all the way up to about 13, 14 years old. And so, that I didn't know how to handle. Let's be honest, there's many of us in this room that has probably gone through a lot of that as well. And I didn't know how to handle it, and I just took it as it was my fault. It was my fault. It was my issue. It was the thing that I needed to to deal with. And and I just made basically an agreement that I'm going to just keep it a secret and I'm going to just prove on the outside that it didn't affect me. Because it was people in my family. It was people in my neighborhood. It was you know all of these different situations. And it was terrible. And I didn't know how to handle it. So I just thought, I'll just, you know, I, I grew up with kids on the block. You know, don't, don't, uh, that's, that dates me a little bit. So hanging tough. So, uh, you know, I was just trying to hang tough and uh, you know trying to pretend like it didn't affect me at all but obviously on the inside I was absolutely dying but in that moment of shame I made an agreement with secrecy so we will find that secrecy will actually shut you down and you actually need to come out of agreement with secrecy if you want to walk in your God-given freedom So that, and because otherwise, what's the next step of shame is that shame will cause you to cover that which you think will reject you. Shame will cause you to cover that which you think will reject you. I mean, think of that's exactly what Adam and Eve did. It says, Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves covering. Why did they make coverings? Because they felt ashamed. Shame will steal your identity and cause you to judge yourself, making the conclusion, I cannot be myself. Right, Because of the shame that I went through as a child, it, it, it imposed on me, and I embraced a covering of, I can't show people who I really am. I've got to project something that would be acceptable. I had to project something that would be tough. That I had to project something that was not who I really was. Because shame will rob you from you being you. And can I tell you, friends, that you are beautiful just the way that you are. Guys, we need you to be who you, God has created you to be As strong, Emerge men. Ladies, we need you to be the cherished, beautiful women that you are called to be. But that comes when we step out of the coverings. What are some of the coverings? It could be perfectionism. And you ever notice that when you're when you're dealing with perfectionism that you never hit the standard that you set for yourself? Or performance, like I, I got to keep on hustling. I got to keep on earning my place at the table. Maybe self-punishment. That's a big one. Like you deserve this. You should be alone, right? These are all different areas of how it affects our hearts. Defensiveness. Where are we defensive? And def- being defensive, oftentimes, what is that? We're throwing up a wall because we don't want anyone to see what's on the inside because at the end of the day, we're afraid of being rejected aggression would be another one like if if, or that was the that was mine you know there's the fight flight and freeze i was definitely the fighter like i just went and just that was just my way of dealing with the shame until god was able to get a hold of me and work the shame out of me so we've got to identify where would there be areas in our hearts where we're struggling with shame where are we struggling with low self-worth in this area that god wants to set you free all right now the stronghold of fear fear is a tormenting and evil spirit and also it's a mindset that's energized by a spirit of fear notice that that Adam and Eve said I was afraid therefore I hid so p- fear will pressure you to hide yeah. fear pre- where are you hiding that's the question you got to ask yourself. Where, where are you hiding today? Uh, fear silences the real you. Fear creates a, a, a dread, a punishment. You ever had these things where, like, maybe a boss or a leader calls you, and the first thought you have is like, oh, crap, what do they want? <laughs> oh, no, what's, what, what did I do wrong? <laughs> right? Or maybe a boss walks through the doors, and all of a sudden you're like, you know, you start, like, doing, right? Okay, maybe I'm the only one who's done that. Right so we all start doing these things why because we're afraid that they're going to be like hey what are you doing right we're we're afraid that they're going to call us out right and so what is that that's fear that's driving the behavior right? Or maybe it's, it's fear that creates terrible scenarios. I remember a, a few months ago, I, my mom lives alone. She's a widow. So I call her up every morning and called her and I got no answer. Called her a second time. No answer. Called her a third time. Being the patient loving daughter that I, I was, I waited 30 seconds and I called her a third time and a fourth time and a fifth time and a sixth time. And all the, all the times I try to get on the phone with her to make sure she's good because she lives alone. And so in my mind, like my mind is now like, there's just a spiral of like, what if she was working on the fish tank and she fell over? What if she went outside and she fell over? Like, so it's all the worst case scenarios. So then I call up my my sister-in-law who was about a mile down the street and said, hey, do you mind checking in on mom? And she's like, oh, I don't have time to do it. And I'm thinking like, what do you mean you don't have time to do it? Of course you you should make time to do it, right? And so it. it just just spun out in my mind. Why? Because it was a it was, fear will cause you to be delusional in the scenarios that are presented before you. So, wouldn't you know? About an hour later, my mom calls me back and says, "Shelly, I forgot my phone at home. I'm totally fine." And meanwhile, like I've called the fire department, the police department, the you know the animal rescue, right? Like all this, <laughs> right? All, all the things, whatever, whatever it takes to be able to uh, like get to get make sure that she's safe, right? So those are all, all of the, you know, scenarios. Now, what happens when we yield to fear? When we yield to fear, we end up trying to control the pressure of fear, actually, if you think about it. We try to handle, we tried to control the pressure of fear by doing something to do so. So let me give you an example. Uh, several years ago, uh, Yolanda, who's in the third row right here, uh, she got to help me out with some piojos, also known as lice. And uh, we, we we had an infestation that took place. And so she was the brave camper who said, you know what, I will take care of you and I'll take it out. But I was not uh, confident in, in my ability to deal with it. So my 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 Uh, The fear that was around me the unknown are they out or are they gone like how many of you had lice it's terrible it's like it's not fun and you're all probably starting itching right now right as you're thinking about it Right? It's just, that's just naturally what happens. So I didn't know what to do. So guess what I did? I tried to control my environment. Do you know how I try to control my environment? By vacuuming everything that you can think of. Like I just went into hyper cleaning mode and trying to do all these things. And at the end of the day, what was that? That was me uh, with the pressure of fear co- trying to control my environment to feel safe. Right? So where are you trying to control your environment to feel safe? stronghold of control. Let me see if I can land on this very, very, very quickly, Uh, right? Because because I, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Notice that Adam says, I hid myself. So in other words, I'm controlling this situation to feel safe. In other words, hiding is a form of control. So where in our lives are we hiding? Are we hiding from people? Are we hiding from the pain of the past or maybe the disappointment of the present? How many of you know it's been a rough couple of years for a lot of us? So, you know, there's disappointments that we've all experienced. There's been setbacks that we've all experienced. There's been things that have not worked out the way that we thought it would work out. And so with that comes the a sense of, you know, like, Oh, do I just draw back and do I just try to hide behind something in order to, to feel safe again where, where am I hiding Fear will, or control will also use fear to try to silence your voice and, and I found that the enemy if, if he can't stop you he'll try to silence you So where have you lost your voice? There might be certain areas that you're good at proclaiming the word of God and there might be certain areas that you're really, you know, proficient in, but there's other areas of your heart that you may be hiding and in that hiding is a silencing. And the enemy's trying to silence the prophetic voice on the inside of you. Because how do you know that as Pastor Jurgen so brilliantly says that the word of God in your mouth is like the word of God in his mouth. Right. And so when the word of God is released through your mouth, situations, atmospheres, things, everything changes. Right. Just through you proclaiming the word of God. How amazing is that? But if the enemy can get you to be silent, if the enemy can get you to hide, if he can get you to draw back, how many of you know that there's, there's areas that you're missing out in? And the truth is, is that we end up having to agree with control. And I think that our life journey of breaking down strongholds is learning how to come out of agreement with control. Well, there's areas where we've agreed because of fear. And there's areas that, that, is, that we've yielded to it. But the problem is, friends, that when we yield to control, then we end up taking on the nature of control. And We're meant to call and live a life of living in the kingdom and reflecting the kingdom of God. We're, we're, we're meant to reflect the, the nature of our Father. But if we're yielded to control, then we're hiding and we're doing things to impose our will upon another, right? I mean, you think about we use control as a tool to feel safe by imposing our will upon others. One area would be codependency. Do you know for years, I always thought codependency was that when that person needed me, But because I was the strong person, they needed me. But I didn't realize that me as the rescuer in the situation, I was actually the one controlling because I needed them to need me. I needed them to need me. I needed to, at sense, so on the outward, it looks like she's the hero. But on the inside, it's nothing but control to feel safe. So control will create an environment for us to feel safe. But ultimately, we're actually bound. We think that we're free. We think that we're, we're living in victory, but we're not. How about manipulation? That's a common one. It can come across as charm. It could come across as uh, maybe outbursts or silent treatments. I mean, how many married married folks that we got out here, husbands and wives, right? And how many you know that there's times in, 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 your, in your, your marriage where you know when your spouse is upset. You don't even have to. They don't even have to say a word, but you know when they're upset, right? You know when she's like in the kitchen. <laughs> He's in the garage slamming things around, right? And it's like this silent, uh, you know, like way of trying to control the spouse and that because they're feeling afraid. Ultimately, it's fear. Fear is always behind control. The reason why I yield to control is because of fear, Right, so then if I try to manipulate the circumstance and get you to yield to me, then I can feel safe again instead of actually dealing with the fear that is present. Anger, how about anger is a huge one. I mean, come on, like there's none of us that are exempt from that. And anger is an attempt to what? Keep distance, keep people distant from our heart, right? It's, It's a way of feeling safe. And the truth is, is that if there is no benefit to anger, we wouldn't do it but because anger works, we do it, (laughs) right? So we actually have to recognize this is a tool of control and I don't wanna yield to a spirit of control. I don't wanna yield to a spirit of fear. I don't wanna yield to a spirit of shame where I'm living bound, where I'm drawing back and I'm not able to live in the life and freedom that God has for me, right? So these are all the areas. So how do we get free? Number one is just seeing it. Number one is just seeing it. Can you see where shame has been ripping you off? Can you see where fear has been ripping you off? Can you see where control has been ripping you off? Or how about this? Start simple. Like, have you been hiding? Maybe God's just calling some of you tonight that to come out of hiding. Maybe God is calling some of you tonight that, honey, I value you for who you are. Man, I value you for who you are. And just really letting go of that 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 low self-worth that has been imposed upon you from shame. It could be from past mistakes, it could be imposed from you know real traumas. I went through some real hard things in my life, but I'm grateful because God has used it all for my good. God has used it all for, for my good. You know, Pastor Jurgen said it like this. I you know, the situations in life, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily choose it, but I wouldn't choose. And I can honestly say that everything that I've went through, I wouldn't choose it, but I wouldn't change it either. Because of what I've been able to go through, all the pain, every abuse that I've went through, If that means that I can tell you my story. And I can tell you that God is real and that He will set you free. And not only will He set you free... Not only will he set you free, but he will also heal your heart. And that's exactly the mission statement of Jesus. The deliverance ministry of Jesus. It's Yes, it's about getting the demons out. And we're going to take care of that. That's not, a, that's not a problem. But more than that, he wants to heal your heart so your heart can be whole, your heart can be free, so that you can have no blockage, no hindrance to receiving the presence and the power of God that then actually helps you interact with others. Many of us, we're, we're longing for more relationship. We're, we're longing for intimacy but there's blockages in the way and it's called the strongholds of the heart that God wants to deal with tonight. So if you would, would you stand to your feet? I would love to be able to minister to some of you this evening. Now, there may be some in this room that your first step to freedom is, and you recognize like, man, I came here to get freedom. I, someone dragged me in here, uh, someone invited me in here, and I wanna get free tonight. So maybe for you, your first step of freedom is actually saying yes to Jesus. Maybe your first step of freedom is saying, Jesus, I need you in my life. Or or maybe you're like me and you're just feeling condemned and you're feeling like, man, I don't even know. I feel so far from God. I don't even even know if my, if, if, if. What's going on? But I just need Jesus. I need freedom. If if everyone could just take one moment, close your eyes. And if that's you, if you're in either one of just like, I need to take the first step of freedom. I need to surrender my life to Jesus for real. This time I'm giving him all of my heart Or I feel far from him. And I want to return to him right now on the count of three. Would you lift up your hand? One, two, and three. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand. Sir, I see your hand right there, sir, in the corner. I see you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I see your hand over here. God bless you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. I see that hand. I I see that hand. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Praise God. Well, let's all, let's all pray together. Jesus, I want your freedom. I turn from my ways and I turn to you to save me to set me free. God is my Father. Heaven is my home. And I command the devil. Let's say that again. I command the devil to get off my life in Jesus' name,
0: amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com